Welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Dr. Jeff Bucknam is the lead pastor of teaching and vision at Harvest Bible Chapel in the Chicagoland area. I'm your host, Tommy Kreitz, and we're going to have a conversation with someone today because we believe that everyone has a story. But before we get into that conversation, we're going to have another conversation, a first conversation. If you could call it a conversation, it's more like just a ramble, a pre-ramble. Do you know they call this in uh, Great Britain? We're going to have a waffle. That's what this is called? We're waffling. having a waffle? We're waffling. We're waffling. I love waffles. Let's have a waffle. Like a nice Belgium. That's a good waffle. Yeah, it's different than that. Uh, they, would they also call this banter? Are we bantering? Well, banter is if I made fun of you. Which, so yeah, this is what... No, it, like if, if banter is if we're playing sports and I and I talk about how bad you are at the sport, yeah. I'm trying to mock you. Yeah, oh, that's, okay. That's, that's banter. banter. Yeah. That's the bants. Yeah. Um, it's called sledging in cricket. Wow. Do you know? Can you give us some more terms? That, oh. See, we've talked about youth terms and things like that. Yeah. Like, um, wait, I had another one that I wanted to tell you, by the way. Yeah, no cap. No cap. <laughs> oh, gas. Did I tell you about gas yet? I I've did. heard gas did. lots of times. You have? Although in baseball. Like, that's Coca-Cola Zero. That's gas. Yeah, it's really like, good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's gas. You've heard this? Yeah, of course, man. Oh, darn it. What are you talking about? I'm... I'm, I've been watching I come this up thing. with these terms. I've been watching. <laughs> I am the originator of gas, uh, <laughs> the good kind, not the bad kind. I um, I've been watching this Instagram account, and it is. Uh, I'm not much of a social media person, but sometimes things like really make me laugh. Um, and one of the, it's like this. Uh, it's like some super Gen Z worship leader type of thing. Uh-huh. They're making fun of like the language of Gen Zers, or you know, yeah, and <laughs> sus. total sus. So, yeah, like they're like uh, like talking about God. They're like, you are gas. You are gas. <laughs> like how awesome he is. Anyway, it's probably blasphemous in some way, but I just find it so um, no, funny to hear Modern terminology, baby. Calling the devil sus, yeah. you know? So good. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, summertime. So, summer, That's what we were going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about summertime because we are, it is upon us. Um, it is. Tommy, what? What did you do when you were young in the summer? Because I want to know that, and I also want to know what your favorite summertime, so summertime memories yeah, and yep. current summertime activities. Sure. So this might come as a shocker to some of our like younger audience members, you know, if there are any younger. We're really big in <laughs> I'm the I'm not really the sure what our demographic, demog- yeah, I don't know what our demographic <laughs> is, but I would imagine like youth probably listen to us for all the wisdom that we have. Um, and so if you're younger, this might come as a shock, but we played outside a lot. Um, in the, in the rural land of Wisconsin, um, we, this was the time before, you know, we had, we started to have like electronics and video games and like the boon of the internet was coming out, but like it wasn't accessible or affordable. And so we played outside a lot in the neighborhood, um, cornfields. Do you live, did you live near cornfields? Yeah, right across the street. And a couple of my friends lived like on farms. And so, Yeah. So the corn came right up to the street across right. from your house. Yes. Yep. It's right across. Yeah. We used to hit golf now, balls. Corn, Sorry if you own that land. Corn is a fall crop. Yeah. So sometimes they would do soy bean, you know. Okay. So do, that, yeah, is the corn really big in the summer? It is. Uh, it's. Yeah. I mean, it would. Yeah. It's kind of. Above your head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. So what would you do in the corn? It's been a minute since I've really looked at the life cycle of corns. We would run through them. Yeah. We would run. You know, because they make kind of like neat rows. Well, they do make neat rows, yeah. But yeah. every so every you, person I know mm-hmm. thinks of the shining. 
with that. And that's not because the Shining, that, the Shining was a horror movie back back a long time ago. And yeah. at the Kirk, end, yeah. it had a hedge maze. Oh, a hedge maze. It's yeah, yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, also yeah. the corn. Like, well, there's the Children of the Corn, which was like a horror movie. Yeah. Back and yeah. also um, it's where aliens live. Yeah. Because the crop signs. Right. They yeah. come down, they hang out in the Six corn. Cent, or not, not, no. What's that? Yeah. No, signs. Yeah. Signs with uh, Mel. Totally yeah. freaky movie. Yeah, totally. Asthma. So, I have asthma too. And that's like what the. Oh, yeah. Remember the kid? So, yeah, we would run through. Um, this is actually, I told this story uh, preaching uh, two weeks ago at Crystal Lake. Is uh, I, I have a, I have a, my biggest fear of like, of anything is spiders. Really? Yeah. And this, the cornfields are the originator of this fear. Because spiders like to build their yeah, because so you'd webs, run along and you'd go right through right them. through them. And I one time went through a banana spider nest. I don't know if you know what a banana spider is. They're yellow and black. That sounds and bad. Gross and big. And, and what uh, do they do? And I didn't. I didn't. Are they poisonous? They are. You know, a certain degree of them are like, but not like deadly venomous. They okay. are just painful venomous. And uh, and I ran through a, a banana spider web. Yeah. Not in an not in an appropriate place, like where my clothes were, like my chest yeah, yeah, or my yeah, arm yeah. or where Your I could face. easily on my face. Where did the spider land? On my face. And it bit me on my forehead. Which is why I have a small forehead. What? <laughs> Kelly says I have a three head. I don't know what that means. Instead of a forehead. Yeah. So Wow, that's uh, that's gross. Yeah, and so ever since then, I've been absolutely terrified. How much would it take for me to get you to run as fast as you can through uh, through some corn without any knowledge about whether or not there are spiders? I don't know if I could not. do that. I like. I don't think I could do that anymore. We couldn't take a collection. And we yeah, we could. So yeah, no, we could because. You know, be, I know that I know that I these won't. These are the creative ways that we need to pay off the debt here at yeah, the Harvest yeah. Bible Chapel. Watch Tommy run through a corn maze of banana spiders. <laughs> but here's the thing is now I'm older and even though the banana spider looks gross, you know, it's black and yellow. I know that it's not inherently dangerous, but there are inherently dangerous spiders in Illinois. The black widow and the brown recluse being two of them. Oof. Uh, one, the black widow is deadly. Right, and the brown recluse is also super poisonous and necrotic. I don't know what that means. It means that it, when it bites you, it kills the skin, Oof. like kills the tissue. That's gross. Yeah, and it creates just a hole. I don't want to meet any of those spiders. The recluse, which is really great, um, but if where you does have, he live uh, in here in yeah, Illinois, but like where cardboard boxes? Ooh, I'm not gonna. Don't do it. Don't no. open them. Keep okay. them shut forever. Okay. <laughs> But like if you put them in yeah. your garage, yeah, that's a place that that's these a, yeah, little they'll, guys they'll recluse up in there. Ugh. Probably right. crawl spaces, I would imagine. No, I'm not Ew. going in any yeah. crawl space ever. You can come in mine. It's fun. It's yeah. not. It's terrible. I hate going on there every time. Yeah. Anyway, that's my summer activity. Um, now I just like to uh, mow my grass. <laughs> do you, are you a guy who mows in the in the lines like they do at the at the golf course or the ballpark? Where you mow over it stripes? twice so that it gets the stripes oh, going? Oh, yeah. No, I don't do it twice. I just stripe well, you know? Oh. But, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Do you not do that? No. No, I have I no interest. It. I have people doing my lawn. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a person for that. Do you know when I, I first moved here? Yes. Uh, I hate doing the lawn. Really? And that was, that was like... Um, just hire me. I'll, I'll do it. I'll suffer a lot of things. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> like doing things, but yeah. the lawn was not was one of them. That I was like, you know what? I hate this. Mm-hmm. I hate it so bad. <laughs> I hate it. So weirdly, I find it like kind of cathartic All right. going out and just. I used to do my it. lawn's not very big. My parents made me mow it for years, and I hated it. And I hated it all these years. And I'm I'm fifty now, yeah. and so I'm just. <laughs> You're over it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think you know with the modern. I used to hate it too, especially if you had to push it. Yeah. Because it's more of a workout. Uh, now they have like these personal pace things. They move on its own. You're just basically a walk behind. How just, long is it before uh, AI takes over the lawn mowing? Well, they have uh, <laughs> they have a you know the Roomba. Yeah, they'd have a they should have a lawnba. They do. They yeah. have a they have a lawnmower Roomba okay, that I'm just going to tell you right now that goes. But you don't get the lines. You don't get the stripes. You don't get the that's, human that, element. Well, that's fine. But you know what's going to happen? Yeah, is those things are going to become self aware. Yeah, and then they're gonna the attack of the lawnbus. Dude. With their sharp blades. Have you ever seen that show, BattleBots? Yeah. You know what I'm talking that's about? Where they, they fight each other in the <laughs> arena? That's what... Lawnmowers are going to be chasing yeah, us Yeah, you're afraid street. of Skynet. You just wait until the yeah. BattleBots come. They'd be one of the more da- one of the more scary things that if it became self-aware. Lawnmowers. Yeah. I don't... Taking toes off everywhere. I don't like that idea. Gotta be... <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. summertime for summertime. me. Yes. I, I grew up around uh, lakes. Like actual fresh lake freshes, fresh, fresh lakes. Fresh lakes. Yeah, I guess up in Wisconsin, you guys have some of them like yeah. that. Well, they say Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes. Yeah. They Wisconsin ton, has more. Ton, tons of lakes up there. We did. We had lakes, but not like all the mosquitoes that come with all the lakes. Yeah, that's an unfortunate so, thing. So uh, friends who lived on the lake and water skied and swam and did all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Every summer, though, when I was a kid, I was on a swim team. You were? Every summer for like six seven years when i was young i was on a swim team and a tennis team and i'd spend all day at somerset uh the somerset i was athletic club somerset swim club anyway and i would at lunchtime the biggest treat every day was i would get uh, a a red rope Mm -hmm. right like candy yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and uh, a grape soda Mm. so if i eat a red rope or anything like a red vine now and taste like it and grape soda it is it, you nostalgia well it's hard to actually i'll start i'll get into a trance and i'll yeah. sit in the corner i'll remember all the different aspects of swim meets and wow 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 well, i was right and then i got working at camps every summer for another five six seven years that's fun yeah so that was my summer fun that is fun messing around all the time outside in the nature oh, yeah, dude, in the great outdoors not, i don't ever remember watching tv ever in the summer or playing the video games or anything ever. I did a little bit of that. Ever. I did a little bit now. But I played a lot outside. It was fun. Yeah. So moral of our story today is well today in the summertime I don't do any of that. Well go outside. I <laughs> I now I, I watch TV. Ride. It's all uh I ride my bike and you do uh, ride your bike and your scooter. Yeah. This is prime thing. scooter season. It Happy is. for you. So if you see me around yeah. Say hi. People honk at me Good. around the place, which yes. scares the living daylights out of me. Yeah, right. When you're going down the street and all the street streak, somebody they'll st- they'll honk at you, and you're like, "What did I do?" And they'll be like, "Hey, I'm like, hey, Pastor." I've Jeff. had some people like <laughs> see me and start weaving their car toward me, like, "Hey, see me!" And they'll be like waving at me out their front windshield. Oh, I see ya. Yeah, please don't hit Can me. You, what are you doing? So, um, yep. 
Say hi, but maybe in a in a less yeah, uh, be a little bit kinder about it. Yeah, and if you ever want to give me a red rope and a I'm, grape soda, I am in. Yeah, what type of grape soda? Welch's? I don't even know. Wait, that's grape I juice. Was, I think it was Sunkissed, maybe back. Sunkissed is crush. Like, yeah, Crush. Oh, hey, I think it was Sunkissed. Maybe Did you say Welch's? Oh, <gasps> actually, that's it was grape juice. Shasta, which you guys don't have here. Shasta I'm, is a West Coast soda. Wow. I used to drink this uh, drink called Surge. Yeah. <laughs> or an like, energy drink. It's like a Mountain like, Dew. I just with, remember just shaking as a child. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel I like I love could, it. I could go do anything right now. <laughs> oh, summertime fun. Uh, we hope that you have a great summer. Um, go outside. Enjoy nature. Yeah. Ride a bike. Ride a scooter. Drink a drink a. And orange, while you're doing it, listen to this soda. podcast where I will be talking to... Sherry Smith, Sherry Smith, the director of our communications department, who uh, has been at Harvest for a very long time. Yeah, and uh, you guys are going to have a conversation because she has a story, and uh, we're going to get into hers right now. Let's go. sitting here with sherry smith uh originally sherry watson watson sherry watson okay sherry i have a question before any of we get going okay so i've known you for well ever since i've been here a couple years right right? and you are married to john smith who is the campus pastor of uh rolling meadows Mm -hmm. and has basically done everything at this church for a long long time he has okay one of the things that i notice is that you always have different colored fingernails (laughs) <laughs> how often do you color your fingernail? Probably every two and a half to three weeks. Okay. That's frequent. And they're always different colors. Often. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a, there was a girl I used to work with who had a different, like she would always do these different hairstyles all the time. Mm-hmm. So I told her one time that uh, you need to do a month of different hairstyles. Cause she would like super creative. She'd go on YouTube and, so I would like you to do a month of different fingernails. Oh, it would be quite expensive to, to change Okay, so you don't do your own. No, I don't. Oh, this is a guilty yes. pleasure. All right. Yes, it's definitely an extravagance. So one of the things, you, I notice everything. I know. I am this weird, observant person who ends up noticing everything. I'm like, married to one of those I, people. Yeah, and just, sometimes my wife's going, like, what, how do you, What? I'm like, no, those are new shoes. That person's got new shoes on. Right. <laughs> She's like, how do you know their shoes? I don't know. I just, I just do. I just do. Sh- uh, Sherry, you are from Ohio. I am. Where in Ohio are you from? I'm from a little town called Coshocton, which is a little over an hour east of Columbus. Okay. So that's hard for, I, I, I'm not even sure I could find Ohio on a map. I know this is what happens when you've grown up on the West Coast. Yes. Uh, you don't. Like Ohio, Iowa, Midwest states like that, you're like, I don't know where they are. I don't know. They're all so kind we're of in Illinois. Same. If you go one state east, it's Indiana. One more state, it's Ohio. Okay. I thought that was Michigan. Michigan's north of Ohio. Okay. There you go. Yeah. What is Ohio known for best? Like what 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 gives you the greatest pride that you're from Ohio? Ohio's a pretty conservative state overall, okay. and Ohio's the home of eight presidents. 
It's kind of a big name deal. Oh, I don't know if I can name them all. <laughs> can you name your favorite? Who's your favorite Ohio president? Um, I don't. I don't know that he's my favorite. We went to visit his house about a year and a half ago. Um, was he there? President Taft. No, he was <laughs> president kidding. in the 1920s. So. Wow. Yeah. You went to visit the President Taft's old house. Mm-hmm. You and John really live it up, don't you? <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but it was kind of interesting. Um, okay, so you grew up you grew up in a Christian family, though. You have a that kind of religious upbringing. Well, my parents went to church, and okay. they thought they knew the Lord. And then through a series of circumstances, we stopped going to church altogether when I was in fourth grade. And we didn't go to church at all for a couple years. And then one Sunday, uh, my parents got us up, and they said, we're going to go to church. And the church they chose was a place my sister had gone to vacation Bible school earlier that summer. And she came home, and she was like, this church is so great. The people are so nice. And we're learning about Jesus. And so they were like, we're going to go try it out. Wow. So, so we went, and um, everyone was super nice to us. It, was, it happened to be the weekend before an election. So they thought my dad was running for public office and that's why we and were And that's there. why you showed up. <laughs> so we came back the next week and we got seated in like the second row and it was a Baptist uh. church, a very conservative Baptist church. And it was really the first time I'd ever really heard the gospel, like that I was a sinner and that Christ died for me and that if I didn't accept Christ, I was going to go to hell. Mm. And I was uh, 13 at the time. Wow. And so this was it a Southern Baptist church? No, it was a general association. Okay. of some, Baptist Southern Baptist churches always have their, they, I mean, they have a tradition of altar calls at the end of every service. Does this one have something like that too? Most Sundays. Yes, yeah. they did that. So we kept going and like we started going Sunday morning and then we went to Sunday school. So it was Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth group on Thursday night. And then, yeah. and we still didn't know the Lord. So you just super involved, super involved, lost. Um, so our pastor started taking us through a discipleship study called the abundant life. And really it was like a different characteristic of God every week. And we got to the week before Easter and they were like, we're going to have these special meetings. So this was like in the late seventies in a conservative church. So we had an evangelist come in Yeah. and on Palm Sunday night was the first night he spoke. My dad went forward and prayed to receive Christ as a savior. And so we kept going. They were these meetings were like every night. And then on Friday, which was Good Friday, the evangelist and our pastor came to our house because we were off school. Mm. And they came to our house to present the gospel to my mom and my brother and sister and myself. And that afternoon we all four prayed to receive well, Christ. Praise God for them, right? Yeah. That's absolutely. So my mom my parents were like thirty four. I was thirteen, my sister was ten, and my brother was six. And we all accepted Christ within a week. That's each great. Other. Yeah. That's great. So how old were you? I was 13. 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What kinds of things did you do when you were young? What was, what were like, if, if when you think back to all of the time that you spent when you were a kid, what were the things that enamored you the most? I was in a lot of different things. I was in, um, I was in Girl Scouts. I was in 4-H. Okay. So how, f- the Boy Scouts, you get to Eagle Badge. What is the Girl Scout equivalent of the e- is that Eagle Scout? Eagle Scout. Yeah. What is the equivalent of that? It's the first class badge. Okay. And do you have one? I do. <gasps> so you reach the end of the, you're, you're, the, you're was, an Eagle Scout. I was a Girl Scout for a long time. I mean, from a brownie up through cadets. 
So what do you have to do in order to get that? All kinds of things. Like you earn badges. Sure. You do different. So how do you get a badge? Uh, depends on what the badge is for. I mean, uh, it could be water safety. It could be cooking. It could be. Okay. What happens? How do you get a cooking service. badge? Do you just make something for your family? Um, they have a criteria in the book of all the things you have to do okay. to meet the criteria to get the badge. Goes on the sash. Okay. <laughs> so do you still have your sash? I do. Yeah. How, and there's so much on it. There's a lot on it. Okay. And yeah. when you get the final thing, is there a special badge that goes on there? First class? You know, I don't. Like I what don't, I'd be able to know that you were a first class. That's uh, the part I don't remember. Girl Scout. Okay. I mean, I have it, but so we did that. I also was in band. All right. I played French horn. Did you? Mm-hmm. I started playing when I was 10 and played. Was that a choice that you made or did your parents be like, the ch- French horn is the cheapest, you're playing that one? No, it was a decision that our band director made. He knew I had taken piano lessons so I could already read music. Okay. He said, the French horn is hard. So the fact that you can okay, already read music, that will help. Okay. So yeah, He didn't I, say, you look like you look like you belong to the French horn. <laughs> he said a little something like that, but... Uh, so yeah, I played from the time I was 10 all the way through college. Sherry. <laughs> so you could play the French horn. Well, I for, used to be able for to play us the now. French horn. No, I, I've never had my own horn. I had, I always used a school horn okay. even through college. Okay. I haven't played in a long time, but. So my wife uh, grew up playing the trumpet ah. and she will not play the trumpet for me. No. Yeah. She doesn't have one. She said, oh, I don't have one. I'm like, there's lots of trumpets in the world. True. So I want to hear the trumpet. So I th- I'm thinking we should get like a pastor's wives band together. <laughs> Some kind of brass quintet. It'd be everybody who grew up playing different things. And But um, you, you played piano growing up. A little. Not well. Okay. Because I didn't practice. But okay. anyway. But mostly involved in uh, music. Music. And um, yeah, Girl, Scou- Girl Scouts. I mean, it's funny be- to me because I remember getting involved in Cub Scouts at my age, but it wasn't quite as big a deal. It's not that big a deal now. And yeah. But it, there was a period of time that it was, was a really big deal in the Midwest. I mean, a lot of girls go into Girl there Scouts. There were a lot of, at least my friend group, there were a lot of girls in it. Yeah. And I didn't come to know the Lord until I was in junior high. Yeah. So like my brother and sister went to Awana. They grew up going to Awana. They weren't in Scouts at all. Okay. But. I was like prime age yeah, for yeah. scouts, so yeah. that's what I did. Were you ever a uh, leader? I wasn't. Oh, okay. No. I remember my dad was a leader for Cub Scouts when I was little, and I remember being awful. I remember really? thinking to myself, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I mean, I went to Girl Scout camp in the summer. The whole Which I think would be amazing. I'm sure that the scout camps fun. are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So are you an Ohio State fan? Uh, I am an Ohio State fan. Why? When you grow up in Ohio, it's like Everybody in Ohio is a lot of people in Ohio are. Because typically, and especially football, because typically the Cleveland Browns aren't very good. And until recent years, the Bengals haven't been that great. Yeah. So So you have to rely. The only winning team in the state is that, well, the Cavaliers were okay for a while. Cavaliers were great for a while. Yeah. I would say the big thing was, like, when I was young, there was a big rivalry between Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler. The yes. whole rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. Super fun. And, you know. So you married a Michigan fan. I did. Knowingly. So that's odd. 
I want to find out, of course, from your point of view. I interviewed John a long time ago, right. and he gave me the the John Smith version of your of your courtship. Mm-hmm. But I I want to hear the actual version from from you. Great. Um, but I I do think it's very interesting. A lot of people don't know that you guys have like a blood feud around uh, around the old game. It's very serious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have a flag. It has the Ohio State logo on one side and the Michigan logo on the other. And down the middle, it says house divided. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> told me once that you had to sit, you sat in different parts of the stadium. We went to the game at the shoe in Columbus and I sat with the Ohio State fans on one side of the stadium and he sat with the Michigan fans <laughs> on the other side of the stadium. I mean, I, we weren't alone. Like he was with friends and sure, I was with he was my like, brother. See ya. Yes. <laughs> he was in full Michigan gear. I was in full Ohio State gear. All right. It's a fun rivalry. It is a fun rivalry. All those people take sports way too seriously. <laughs> um, that's great. But you uh, you got involved into um, Christian ministry kind of early then. I think. Kind or of. what was your? Where did you go to college? I went to Cedarville University. Okay, and that's a Christian. It's a Christian school. It Why is. did you choose to go there? In hindsight, I think it was because my youth pastor had gone there. Okay, and he had a substantial influence in my life and I applied to a couple other schools and was accepted but really felt like Cedarville was where did you apply to the other schools you applied to were they Christian schools as well one was and one was not so you weren't thinking I'm only going to a Christian school no Christian college all right in Um, high school was um was your friend group mostly from church or was it I mean, once you came to faith in Christ just at 13, did mm-hmm. you find most of your community then from then on still in the scouts or from then on in, in the church or from then on? It was kind of, it was still kind of both. Okay. A lot of it was... Smaller town. Small town. Yeah. A lot of people went to church, even if they didn't necessarily know the Lord, they yeah. thought they knew the Lord. Yeah. And um, so my friend group was, and the church I went to drew from different schools, so okay. not just my high school. And then the people I was in band with. And then I was also, I loved sports, but I never played sports. But I was a basketball statistician for the boys' basketball team. So that those girls that I was a stat with, we hung out together. Okay. And Cedarville, what did you want to study? Cedarville, I didn't know what I wanted to study. When I first went, I was trying to decide between political science and music. And I ended up as an English major. English professional writing with a minor in communication. Were you really into Bible. politics? Is that why you political science? Was that something that was, was really interesting to you? I was you? super interested in that. My senior year of high school, I had won a competition, and I got to go to Washington, D.C. for a week. Wow. It was called Presidential Classroom, and I loved it. Like, what did you do? Um, we like we toured all the places you would think of in sure. Washington, D.C., but then we got to meet with our representative our senators wow and we got to meet with um we got to go on the floor of the house yeah and that'd been fun yeah just the whole thing it was like this is amazing yeah and that made you think i'm gonna be a senator maybe <laughs> did you ever think that seriously no. did you ever think I, I uh i would go for public office or were you more like no i kind of just want to be involved in the in that field i wanted to understand the process and i think i probably would have been more of a behind the scenes kind yeah. of role, like supporting a candidate. Yeah. Where did you, why did you uh, shift to English? Um, just, I think the, just the process the Lord took me through, it seemed like that was probably a better fit. 
it also seemed like if a political science major would require a master's degree to yeah. actually do yeah. anything with it. Yeah. And I, that didn't so appeal as to an, me. So as an English major, were you involved in like writing or is it literature that you did? Or like what was your particular aspect of English? I was English professional writing. So yeah. kind of the purest form of my major, a lot of my peers went and worked for like technology companies and like made manuals in language that everyone could understand. Yeah. And they made a ton of money. I bet they did. But that just sounded really boring. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the worst. And they made and like one of the guys I went to school with, he became a sports information director. Oh, so yeah. like there are other things that people did. But when I graduated, I actually worked for Cedarville. Okay. So I spent a year recruiting students and admissions and I spent three years fundraising. Did you do like did you write for yourself or did you write short stories or poetry or I wrote like more like a letter to a prospective student or a letter oh, okay. to a prospective but like donor. In person, when you got out though, were you thinking that you might be involved in something different than that? Or you want to work for an organization, basically be their public relations type yeah. of, yeah, okay. Basically that thing. I'd had an internship at a public relations uh, department in a hospital okay. when I was in college. And so I saw something more, so you, more they, marketing related. They hired you at the college mm -hmm. and that's where you met John. It is. While you were working there. Yes. When I was working in admissions, he was a high school pastor and he brought some students on a campus visit. Did he have all his teeth? Um, he has all the teeth he has now. Yeah. <laughs> because he's a big, he was big hockey guy. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Rough and tumble hockey guy likes to fight everybody. Yes. And so he showed up on the campus with his uh, wavy blonde hair and uh, he made a beeline for you apparently. Well, I got assigned to meet their group because they were coming in after curfew. Oh. So um, we, I walked up to them in the lobby of the building. It was then called the College Center. And he turned around and I stopped mid-step and he stopped. And we stood and stared at each other long enough. The students started laughing. So it was love at first sight. Yeah. As much as we both don't believe in that because we didn't know a thing about each other. No, but there was a connection there. There was. That's, that's great. But you guys didn't actually uh, date each, because he was a, a distance. Most of your time when you were dating was uh, far away, right? Right. He was in Downers Grove, Illinois, yeah. and I was in Cedarville, Ohio. And then we, we broke up for a while. We dated for a while. And finally, we really thought it's what the Lord had for us was each other, but we never dated, like yeah. normal dating. So um, I got a job at Scripture Press and Victor Books in Wheaton. Yeah. And moved to Chicago. That's a big move. It was a big move. Like, you'd have to be pretty serious about him. Did you guys get to know each other through uh, letter writing? Then? Yes, this was pre-email. Yeah, yeah. Which is I mean, my my wife and I when I was in college in or I was at a Bible college in in Europe actually. Oh. We would send each other airmail. Yeah, uh, we still have stacks. She dumped of me, and then I was like, "Nah, no, you don't." <laughs> so I just kept sending letters uh, and then she would still send them back. And you know what, Sherry, <laughs> when I left, I, I, I left them all there. I was like, why? Well, I don't need these. I think I was thinking, I remember holding them over the trash thinking, ah, and I threw them in there. Did you think it was over? I'm such an idiot. No, no. You just didn't want those. Letters. Nah, it's probably my, some of my OCD. Like I don't be bagged down with this junk. <laughs> <laughs> my wife. I can't believe you. Uh, wish yeah. I would. Wish Adam now. 
But yeah. yeah, you learn a lot about somebody. You do. And we talked on the phone for hours back when you had to actually pay for long yeah. distance phone calls. Yeah. You spent a fortune yeah. on phone calls. So when you moved to Wheaton, you were, pr- I mean, you're pretty sure that this is going somewhere big. We did. Like we really thought this is what the Lord had for us, but we also were trying to be responsible. Right. Like see what, like, I know what you're like on a weekend when I see you maybe once a month, but what are you like on Every a Tuesday day. night after you've had a terrible day sure. at church or sure, whatever? So you worked for Scripture Press? Scripture Press and Victor Books. Uh, what is that? A, that's a Christian publisher. What kinds of what books did they publish? Ones that you were um, part of? They did a lot of, um, they did the whole B series by Warren Wearsby. Yeah. They did all the B books. They did a lot of Christian education books by Larry Richards. Yeah, I remember Larry Richards. And so. uh, Gil Beers. Yeah. They did the John Wolverd, the yeah. Wolverd, the commentaries. Yeah, Bible knowledge commentary. Yep. He's a, uh, yeah. So Dallas and Seminary, then, John Wolverd. Right. Yeah. And then Scripture Press did Sunday School Curriculum. Oh, yeah. So were you writing for them or are you doing mo- like it's doing marketing? Okay. And did you like started it? In, I did. Started in their advertising team as kind of their advertising coordinator and then moved into a marketing role. I worked there for five and a half years. It was great. So tell me what somebody does on a typical day as a marketing person at, at a at a scripture press or Well, a lot of the things that I did then I was responsible for all of the what they were then known as were Sunday school conventions. So we'd go and we'd set up displays and we'd talk to people about our Sunday school curriculum. Okay, Sunday school conventions. Yes. Like in... It was like a thing, like in convention centers. Just kidding. Like in Denver or in Pasadena, California or in Dallas, Texas. So you'd travel a lot. I did. There was one year early in our marriage, I traveled 100 nights a year. Oh my word. I traveled a lot. That's a long time. Visiting customer churches, visiting Sunday school conventions. Wow. Yeah. So you just mingle and talk to people and try to get them to buy into the stuff that you guys were. Right. Um, you were there for how long then? Five and a half years. Okay. Then they got bought You got out. married. Wait, did you get married during that time? I did. All right. Yeah. So after. Six, what year did you get? I'm oh, sorry. How many years you married? Se- we've been married 32 years. Oh, uh, yeah. We got married in 1991 yeah. in April. Yeah. Um. I moved there in April of 90. We got How married. high were the poofy parts on the, your Very shoulders? Very poofy. Yeah. About as poofy as my bangs. <laughs> yeah. Jeannie had same thing, 93. Big yeah. poofy arms and... Poofy arms, a big bow across yeah. the back. That's right. That yes. was the thing. <laughs> Darn right. Um, yeah. So we got engaged in October and married in April. Okay. And where'd you... You lived in uh, Downers Grove? Uh, technically we lived in Westmont. Okay. I don't even know where that is. It's right beside Downers Grove. Okay. Yeah. But you changed to work for, um, I, listen, I can't remember all the names of things. You know, what's so funny is I got to know all of these publishers only when I wrote my doctoral dissertation because all of the different books were basically from different places in Chicago. Right. Wheaton, Downers Grove, Carol Stream. Yes. And I can't remember. Oh wait, Downers Grove is the Tyndale. Is that right? Downers Grove is InterVarsity Press. There you go. And that I didn't work for. <laughs> Tyndale is in Carol Stream. Carol Stream. There you go. Yeah. So from um, Scripture Press, I went and worked for Moody. I would work for Moody Institute of Science. We did science videos. Really? I did that for two years. And then I worked for Moody Magazine. Okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. What kind of science videos? Well, they were actually, by the time, so this is like the late 90s, everything was switching to, to DVD. Yeah. 
and they were still in video, so they were dying fast. And they had been done. They were like original, like true science, like experiments, and, oh. and it had become really homeschool curriculum yeah. at that point. And I was in the process. I actually, one of my final thing I did for them was I helped shut down Booty Video. <laughs> oh. It was it was just the end of an era. Yeah, totally. Well, the technology changes. The technology you're changed not on the front edge of it. Sometimes you right. can't keep up. And then I worked a couple of years for Moody Magazine. Writing? Um, selling ads. Really? Yes, doing ad sales. And from there I went to Tyndale House. And, and Tyndale House is the one that did the, their big seller was the, uh, the Left, Left Behind. Behind series that yes. started as a, is it true that those that series started as like, hey, I'm going to write one or three books and then became 12? Yes, that's true. Okay. And I feel like I got to be there during the very best of the Left Behind years. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It's also, um, Tyndale's also known for Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, yeah. And the New Living Translation. The Which living, is an excellent, by the way, yeah. translation of the Bible. And you started with the Living Bible yeah. and then the New Living Translation. Yeah. So I had a great experience at Tyndale. How long were you there? Um, four years. Okay. Yeah. Did you get to, I mean, you, you weren't selling ads there. What were you doing for them? Um, I oversaw the media department. So conventions, public relations. Um, oh, wow. Did you have to travel again? A little. Not nearly as much as I had before. But okay. Yeah. I had a great team of people that I worked with and it was really fun. So why did you get out of the, why did you get out of the, uh, that business? Our former senior pastor was trying to write a book and publish it with Tyndale and uh -huh. it wasn't going well for him and it wasn't going well for Tyndale. And I called him and I said, if there's anything I can do to help this process. Because you were attending the church at the time. Attending the church. John had come on staff in 2000. So this conversation was like in 2003. Okay. And um, I said, if there's something I can do to help, I'd be happy to do that. And he said, why don't you come work for Harvest? And I said, no, no that's not my offer. <laughs> <laughs> my offer is, can I help you with Tyndale? Yeah. And uh, he said, no, I think you should come work for Harvest. And from that conversation until when I actually started on staff was about four months. Okay. So you kind of had to think about it for quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I loved what I did at Tyndale. I loved the mission of the organization. I loved the people I worked with. But I also loved the church. I mean, I'd been a pastor's wife from yeah. the time we got married and um, saw that I had an opportunity to help. Yeah. Uh, Sherry, you have never had children. We have not. No. And that was not on purpose. No, that was not on purpose. It's interesting when John interviewed with the elders to come on staff at Harvest, one of the elders, so like the final step was he and I both came in and met with all the elders. Yeah. And it was just a Q&A time. And um, one of them looked at me sort of, I don't know, in a distrusting kind of look. And he said, so tell me about your work. Oh, like <laughs> like she's married to it. And that's why right. she, yeah, she's trying to run the world and become a politician yeah. or whatever. And like, yeah. So, yeah, we we envisioned that we would have children. Yeah. That was what we thought the Lord had for us. But yeah. um, we did a lot of investigating and a lot of praying. And um, I met with two women um, every month for two years. We all were not getting pregnant. Mm. And we were like, okay, we're just going to trust this to the Lord and see what he has for us. And one of the women got pregnant. Mm. And uh, one of the women, she and her husband were led to adopt. Mm -hmm. And... I was led to come on staff at Harvest. Yeah. Um, we considered adoption and 
um, a lot of a lot of different things, and we just that wasn't the path we thought the Lord had for us. So really, just to try to steward the gifts that the Lord yeah. entrusted to me was really why yeah. I work. So uh, tell me how difficult it is to be the, the Christian um, subculture is super super high on family, right? Like it's almost that you're not a complete person. If you tell me both husbands and wives, if you don't have, you know, if you're not married, you don't have kids and stuff. And I've talked to a lot of people who are single and been single for years. They're like, Oh my word. Right. It's like you're an alien. Yes. And everyone wants to know what's wrong with you or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Is it particularly challenging to be somebody who doesn't have children in the Christian subculture or around church and stuff? Or is it, have you found people to be really understanding and it's not a bad thing. It's right. just, it's yeah. just not the norm. No. Um, I would say people have overall been pretty understanding. You know, it's just at first, it's all of your friends are having babies and you're going to baby showers and you're not getting pregnant and you're not part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, as they're all going through starting families, you're not that. And you sort of, at that point, you think this is this is the worst and it's going to never get better than this. But then you forget that all the things, all the milestones that people go through with their kids, you don't get those either. No. So there's no high school graduation. There's no wedding. There's no grandchildren. So it it follows you all of your life. Yeah. Um, we're really thankful. The Lord has given us three nieces. Yeah. And we love them dearly. Yeah. And have had an opportunity to really, um, I feel like play a significant role in their lives. But they don't live with us. You know, they they're yeah. not they're not ours. Yeah. And um, I think the one of the challenges is. As you can imagine, when a group of women get together, one of the main conversations oh, yeah. is about their kids, yeah. what their kids are doing and the sports they're playing and the achievements they're making and even the frustrations they have with them. It's just, it's such a part of every woman's conversation yeah. and it's not part of my conversation. You right. know, I talk about their kids and what they're doing, but it's, it's not this, it's not reciprocated because I don't have those no, and people yeah. in my life. Yeah, and kids tend to make you kind of monofocused on them. I mean, that's the weird part about it is that yeah. everything else doesn't matter. It's just these children and right. parents and are not, not always bad. that. Yeah, but there's, parents are not always great at seeing somebody else who's in a different kind of state of life or plight right. and saying, oh, what's it like to be you or what did, what's going on in your life? Right. And those sorts of things and trying to understand it. Yeah. So, so I would say some days, you know, I, th- I think about the message that you preach where you talked about when your lot is a lot. Yeah. There are some days that our lot is a lot um, because of what we don't have, not because of what we do have. Yeah. And, but I, we still, you know, I just go back to the verse and to live the life the Lord assigned to you. Yeah. Like this is the life the Lord assigned to us. Yeah. And I don't want to spend a life of regret thinking about what we didn't get, but to focus on what the Lord did give to us. So is that the advice you'd give somebody who's, because there are people who are facing, especially, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Sherry, increasingly the case. I mean, birth rates and things are falling and there are a lot of people who are facing a lot of challenges with infertility for whatever reason. And, you know, someone, some smarter scientist than me is going to be able to figure that out at some point, but this is becoming a more frequent thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many Christian people, especially Christian women are able to figure out how to do that what advice could you give them i would say even as you're going in as you're walking into marriage you have to think that's the primary relationship you have to make sure that's a 
a vibrant, healthy, God-honoring relationship because you have no guarantee that children are in your future, Mm. though for most people they are. So I don't want to say that like in a doom sort of way. For most people, they're going to have children. But for the people that don't, I'd say, you know, work with your doctor and make sure that everything, sometimes a simple adjustment can mm-hmm. make all the difference. I think there's some physiological issues that some people deal with. Um, and I think, you know, really seek the Lord. I mean, there's so many children out there waiting to be adopted Yeah. or, you know, a family member maybe can't care for all the kids they have or whatever. You don't know if you're going to have maybe either an adopted child, you can look into fostering children yeah. if the Lord leads you to that. Um, I have, I have a, one of my dearest friends ever, she and her husband, they could conceive, but she couldn't carry a baby full term. Okay. So they, um, they had, they did, um, a, they had yeah, a surrogate, surrogate mother yeah. and so their son is theirs, yeah, but that was carried his by another aunt one. carried him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there's lots of options. I think the thing is just to, what does the Lord, what's the Lord asking of you? Yeah. And part of it is just the obedience of walking. There's a whole level of dependency I have on the Lord because this has been our lot Yeah, that I wouldn't have had had we had children. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, you're kind of a rock star around here. You know that <laughs> Sherry, you are, <laughs> we had a me, I told you this once we had a meeting and we were talking in uh, Nashville and we were trying to say, okay, we're trying to come up with what a dream disciple looks like. And we were all sitting there and we said, all right, who, who are the people in your church that you would say, these people walk with Jesus in a way that you would want to point to them and say, follow them as they follow Christ. And like your name, John was sitting there. You didn't say anything. And like three of us at the same time, were like Sherry Smith, <laughs> but most of it's because of your willingness to uh, follow where the Lord leads mm-hmm. and hold your hands open to what the Lord has had for you. I don't know how many people would have, I mean, because it's, it's played out in some ways for you to, you know, even them, some of the challenges here at Harvest over the years. Right. The willingness to stick it out and also the willingness to, at one point, move to, to uh, Arizona. Yeah. So how did, I mean, not specifically how did that come about? There were some hiccups and challenges, of course. I mean, everybody right. knows about a lot of the challenges at Harvest over the last number of years. But how did, how did you handle that? The idea that you're gonna you've been living in Chicago for twenty whatever it is. Right. It was and a long time. Yeah, when when we realized we were gonna move to Arizona, I was sort of I remember thinking, Well, I'm gonna lose my job too. Mm. Oh, okay. And then I'm gonna lose my house and we're gonna move away from everyone we know and love and Did you know anybody in Arizona? We knew a, we knew maybe a half dozen people. For the most part, we didn't. We didn't know many. Yeah. <laughs> and so we moved and we didn't have jobs and we didn't have, we lived with a couple we didn't know. Why did you choose Arizona? Um, Why not Maine? Um, I think two, thi- <laughs> two things. Um, outside of Chicago, the Harvest Bible Chapel in North Phoenix, which is now a Harvest Bible Church, mm-hmm. North Phoenix, had the most developed biblical soul care outside of Chicago. And so we knew there'd be good counseling We'd been, had been recommended we go through counseling and we were like, okay, Lord, if this is what you have for us, like we want to learn everything you want for us. We don't want to go through this and miss mm. what the Lord has for us and, or have stuff in our hearts, our lives that the Lord doesn't want there. So that was one reason we had vacation in Phoenix for years. 
since early in our marriage and we loved Phoenix. So those were kind of the two reasons, but we got there. And so we're living with this couple we just met and we looking for a place to rent and we don't have jobs. And we finally, we found a place to rent. We went to a bank and to get a cashier's check and the bank manager's like, Oh, tell, tell me what brings you here. And so we kind of told him our story. He goes, Oh, well, I'm a follower of Christ. And I know this is probably not what you want to do, but he goes, I have an opening for a teller for a service representative. If you want to apply for it, I'd be happy to interview you. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll apply for this. And, um, that's kind of cool though. Right. I mean, it was. Like, a, like it was crazy you show up on the day and you're like, Oh, so I went back for the interview. He interviewed me. He said, I know this is probably not what you want to do forever, but he goes, I'd like to hire you. And the amazing thing about that was, you know, it's, you never work on Sunday at a bank. You don't work at night. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of an ideal. It was kind of ideal and, uh, it was part time, but I don't think I ever worked less than 38 hours a week. Yeah. And it gave us full healthcare benefits and a 401k. So, (laughs) so I did that for a year and a half and I learned a ton. Like it was, it was way out of my comfort zone and uh, working with people was fine, but it was nothing like what I was accustomed to. Yeah. So what was the most, uh, are there any bizarre things to have? I've always wondered, you know, when you're dealing with the public, like a teller is, you see so many different things. Well, because so much of banking now is electronic, yeah. the, really the only people who come into the bank tend to be older people mm. or really rich people who yeah. have a lot of money. And um, we had one client who came in. He owned all of the parking lots all around Chase Field and, oh, wow. and where the Suns played. So he would come in with just stacks of fives and ones. Yeah, he would. Because <laughs> I think to... he charged $7 for parking. Yeah. And so Did you tell him, 10 bucks, dude. Just make it 10. It was crazy. So like, and he was very demanding. He didn't ever want to wait. He, if he came in and there was only one teller working, he was super upset. And anyway, but he wasn't, I wasn't his teller of choice. Um, but, but I had a guy come in. He just, he literally, like he drove a Bentley. He had a truckload of money. He hosted a, a presidential candidate wow. event at his home in, in the time that we were there. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it was just interesting. So crazy things yeah interesting i mean yeah yeah i've talked to a couple people who work at costco before and they've got stories after stories of the different folks because you're so connected to them it seems like costco feels like the public square but so do banks in many ways but increasingly they're they're more electronic uh john worked there at for apple for a little while and then he became a pastor again he did at christ Christ Church. Christ Church. So there's different Christ Churches down there. There's there Christ are. Church of the Valley and there's Christ Church. And this mm-hmm. is Adam Bailey. Bailey's church. Right. Yeah. It was so interesting in the time we were there. When we first went, it was Harvest Bible Chapel Chandler. And it yeah. was in Chandler. And we outgrew the building that we were in. So we moved to Gilbert, which literally 10 minutes away. So then we changed the name to Harvest East Valley. And then Harvest Bible Fellowship blew up. And kind of nobody wanted to be a Harvest Bible Chapel. Yeah. <laughs> so we became Christ Church. Okay. So in the short time we were there, in like a three-year span, the same church had three different names. Yeah. We have gear for all of them. <laughs> but you didn't, like you guys didn't stay there. for Because, I don't know, Phoenix is a beautiful spot. Gilbert in particular is yes. just a wonderful little community. It is. Did you think, Sherry, that you were going to be there for like this was going to be the place you lived for a long time? Yes. Yes. When we bought, we bought a house in Chandler 
and we renovated it as if we were going to live there. The re- it was like the last house we were ever going to buy. We so, were in a great neighborhood. We were 10 minutes from church. So when you get, a call, then you get a call from Harvest in Chicago. Yes. I'm surprised that, that you considered it. We didn't at first. Like, like the phone call or the text came in like February and we were like, yeah, I don't know. So we didn't really respond to it until the end of April. Wow. I mean, we responded, but didn't agree to really find out more or yeah. find out specifics. Yeah. What made you respond and find out specifics? I think just as we thought about it and prayed about it and really some sought some wise counsel from both people in Phoenix and in Chicago, um, you know, we're not 25. We wanted to make sure that we were where the Lord wanted us and we want to, we want to finish like running. We want to be the most fruitful we can for the Lord. And John felt like there was, uh, for him, there was more opportunity here to have a greater scope of influence for the Lord through the church than there was in the role he was in at Christ church. Okay. I was working at Alliance defending freedom by this point loving it yeah, thinking i was cool, going to retire so, from there <laughs> for those of you who don't know it's a it's a organization that does legal work for christians and you know social justice type stuff it's great right. and uh, i was like are you sure like you just know like going back to chicago it's just harder it's a different pace of life it's a bigger church it's a lot more and john's like yeah i really think this is what the lord has for us i'm like great let's do it <laughs> so we came out and he interviewed and really they were like, we'll find something for Sherry. And I'm like, well, you don't have to find anything for me. This isn't about me. Like, let's just see if this is the right role for John. And, uh, but someone on the communications team had quit just like two weeks before we came out. And so I interviewed for the associate communications director. And I was the most qualified of the people who interviewed. So yeah. here I am. Are you regretful? Do you regret it? <laughs> I don't regret it. Because oh, there must be moments where you think to yourself, there are, like when they hired me, they were like, <laughs> like, oh no. No, I never thought that. I would say we came in late June and in, um, in October, I had to send an all church email that had three pretty significant stories of bad news about mm. the church. And I just remember looking at John, I'm like, I don't know this church. Mm. This isn't this isn't the harvest that we came back to, and so from there, you, know, you circle from October by February. Yeah, James had left, and yeah, you sort of watch it, and you're like, okay, Lord, is this what I was going to say? That's hard. I mean, you come, yeah, I was going to say you come back, and you know, the expectation is, okay, we're going to be a part of this, right? Especially if you're part of a growing church down in Gilbert, Arizona, that's right. moving out of its thing and having to change its name and having lots of impact in its community to come back to a place that all of a sudden the grenade goes off, right? And uh, it was hard. It was hard to understand. Um, why? I mean, I probably more so than John, I was like, okay, Lord, sort of felt like we had gone through a hard season. Why did you bring us back to go through a different hard season? Mm. Um, so yeah, for sure. I had those days, but you just sort of watch day by day and week by week and, oh, we're going to have church again this weekend. And the Lord's healing things and people are some people are leaving. I think it was hard. I think one of the hardest things was watching really great people that we loved and had done a lot of life with, leave the church. Yep. So it wasn't like, oh, good riddance, be gone. <laughs> you know? No, it these wasn't dear that people feeling. in the community you came back to. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, people we loved, people we had done ministry alongside, and yeah. they left. And you couldn't blame them for leaving, but all of that was hard. Yeah. And just sort of the, the death of the church that we once knew. But then we're watching the Lord rebuild a new church. Yeah. I got to tell you, you and John are two of the most persevering people I've ever met. And that is uh, as much of a, a compliment I can give anybody because life's hard, right? right? And the things that you guys have had to deal with and the challenges that you've overcome and faithfully walked through, I just, you're kind of my heroes. I mean it, like my wife and I, we say that, I'm sorry, uh, quite a bit, you know, like you guys are just amazing. You're a little bit older than us, so you're like older sister and older brother, but it's really cool to have... Uh, uh, role models like that in ministry to see people who've gone through and have to face some really hard things, but have continued to follow, not only follow Jesus, but serve Jesus in his church, no matter what it means. So I want you to know that I thank God for you and have ever since we got here, you're a, a true delight, Sherry. And everybody here who knows you says the same thing and believes the same thing. So you should always walk around with a puffed out chest <laughs> because of what the Lord's done in your life and yeah. how it is that he's made you a real woman of God. So I mean, that's really, it's, it's the Lord. Yeah. It's not us. There's nothing. Uh, you wouldn't be who you are though. Had he not worked this in you. I, yeah, you are a testimony to how it is, but you and John both testimony to what, uh, you know, what hard winds can do to build somebody, you know, build the strength of the tree. <laughs> yeah. I will say that the going through these hard things, I think especially when we moved to Phoenix and then this hard season at harvest, you see the Lord in a way that you don't see him when things are easier. Yeah. Like I remember there was like a specific day when we were in Phoenix. I thought, okay, I would never, I've never been this desperate for the Lord. I would never have known him the way that I do now, if I hadn't gone through this hard season like this, because you feel like I don't, you, you're not dependent on your church. You're not dependent on other people. Like kind of all you have left is the Lord. Right. And you learn things about him that you didn't know. Yeah. Well, I thank God for you and thank God for uh, your family and you're awesome. Um, you need to fix everything though at the church because... <laughs> I don't know if we have that much time. <laughs> Sherry is our communications uh, director and she does such good work. And she's most of the emails that you hear for that. If you're part of harvest and you get like a really good sounding email from me, believe me, that's not me. It's Sherry putting lovely words in my mouth and I read it and she sends it to me and says, is this good? And I'm like, why don't you just speak for me all the time? Write the sermons too. Cause I'm ready to go. <laughs> so really do. It's awesome to have you here and thank God for you and uh, pray that, God's richest blessing be on you and John in the days ahead. Thank you. Don't leave me. <laughs> okay. um, for the rest of you, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>